Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language which might be unsuitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also be forewarned that a spoiler warning is in effect, in case there are a series that you have not yet finished yet. Listen at your own risk. And now, live from the Dub Talk studios in Memphis, Tennessee, for all in attendance, and the hundreds listening in over on YouTube. Let's get ready for KJ! Spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of dubs, the thrill of ADR, and the agony of miscasting, the human drama of the English adaptation. This is Dub Talk's Wide World of Dubs. Hello and welcome to the Wide World of Dubs. I'm Hardy Cosell, glad to have you aboard for another episode of Dub Talk. And join me tonight, as always, are my fellow color commentators, starting with former Shonen Fighting Champion, Mr. Andre Nash. It's a pleasure to be with you, sir. I must say, we have a fine batch of new blood in the ring, so to speak, and I'm most proud and very excited. I can feel the blood boiling in my body, and I'm more than excited to see this fresh new batch of young fighting spirits. Also joining me tonight is three-time award-winning Magical Girl Coach, Mr. Stephen A. Starr. Welcome to the wide world of butts here on ASSPN, your number one network for butts. And last but not least, with the PhD in astrology, Dr. Noah Ufa. Oh my gosh, I have never seen anything like this in my 42 cotton picking years of watching girls beat the crap out of each other. Rin came out of nowhere and knocked the ass right off of the board there. I never seen anything like it. Can we get an instant replay on that? I am so happy to be here. I hope you can hear me broadcasting over the Dr. world. Dr. Dr. Noah, please, rein it in. Tonight, we'll be looking at the brand new sport that's been sweeping the nation, capturing the hearts and various other body parts of anime fans both young and old. Risking both life, limb, and posterior, these lovely ladies duke it out mano a mano, tit for tat, cheek to cheek, <laughs> all in hopes of eventually becoming the next prize queen champion. I speak, of course, about Keijo, the latest in Funimation's recent broadcast dubs for the new sports season. But before we get too abreast of ourselves, let's get to the bottom of what this sport is all about. Mr. Noah, if you please, tell us the rules of this incredible new game that's been putting butts in seats all over the country. I would be more than happy to explain it. Every woman on the planet is gifted with a magnificent rump and a fine assets of land. And in order to take that to the next level, we have decided that we are going to put the women in a pool with floating rafts that you have to knock the other women off of. But, <laughs> but you cannot use your arms or your legs or your head. You can only use two parts of your body. You can only use the butt 
that God gave you, and the chest that Silicon gave you as well. Those two things are only used to knock people off. If you fall in to the water or you touch someone with another part of your body, you are out of here. You are out of here faster than some model that I have yet to bang yet. And that is how you win massive amounts of money in the Keijo semifinals. Mr. Noah, I'd like to add a little addendum to your inquiry of the rules. But first, I want to mention that there are about three different fighting styles that come with the game of Keijo. First yes. and foremost, there is the Outfighter. The Outfighter is a much powerful contender that takes advantage fully of their strength in their power and assets, use it full force to push the enemy back, playing a game of pushing the enemy to the side and knocking them off. The infighter is using their speed to overwhelm their opponent, and by using their speed and strategy, they can overwhelm, knock them to the back. And the third the third type of fighter is the counter. The counter is the person that stands back, stands by, watches and analyzes their opponent, and then strikes when they least expect it to counter them and catch them off guard so they can strike on their own. There's a lot of strategy, a lot of different techniques. There's a lot of very powerful, very overwhelming techniques, strategies, and skills for our players to acquire and master throughout this blood-curdling, power-hungry, best of the best, king of the hill, no bars, no boobs, no butts. And oh my gosh, did we see that woman over there in the huge rack? Let me just tell you a bit about why American women have bigger butts than the Japanese women too. It's all about the hip placement. We're gonna spend four hours talking about hip placement here. Uh, Dr. Noah, Dr. Noah. Reel me in, Noah. man, reel me in. Thank you for that uplifting and enlightening description, gentlemen. I'm sure we're all perked up and on the edge of our seat in <laughs> anticipation for tonight's events. So without further ado, let's discuss this season's latest draft picks, starting with our own predictions for who we felt should have played this season, who were the final draft picks, and whether or not they have the brains, the brawn, and the butts to carry through with their performances. Let's start out with our pick for coach, or rather, the ADR director and script writer. Now, as you know, gentlemen, I do not normally choose these. So what did you have to predict? Hmm. Well, Mr. Hardy, I must say I had three worthy senseis that I thought would be well-equipped and well in their element. My first... Would you... Would you say they were well-endowed as well? I would say that they were more than well-endowed, one of which is quite well-endowed by his repertoire of work. First and foremost, we have Mr. Chris George on the sidelines, a man who has worked with many bodacious babes in his time and is well-equipped with the more ludicrously lewd humor in his time. My second prediction was a younger, but more up-and-coming coach, Mr. Aaron Dismuke. Now, this is a fellow who started out young, but he's recently made his way in the ADR direction field, and I see him 
branching out and trying his hand in many new areas, and I'm not quite sure where he's gonna head, but I think he's got potential. Now my third one, possibly a bit of a joke, MVP pro himself, Mr. Mike McFarlane, because you know what? Why the hell not? Indeed, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Mr. Star, what did your what were your opinions on ADR Director? Well, Mr. Corsell, as part of my fantasy draft, I have three for director and three for writer. My right my director picks were Christopher Bevins and Jeremy Inman on the basis that Mr. Bevins likes to direct things out of the side of the box. So what's more outside of the box than TNA Impact? True, very true. And Jeremy's Inman as his assistant. Although it could be, either, be either or, it doesn't have to be Bevins as the main, Bevins could be the assistant. As for my third director pick, it's Mr. Joel McDonald. I will hold off on my script writing predictions as I got one of them right. I see. Mr. McDonald has been on off-season for maternity leave for a couple of months, but it is... I have been curious as whether or not he would be making his return to the coaching seat once again this season. Well, currently he's in the injured reserve right now. I only picked him because he directed a similar sporting show to this called Wannabe and the Strongest in the World. Ah, yeah, I see. I see your reasoning. Yeah, very, and, very good pick, very good pick. Now, Wonderful pick. 2010 was it? Wait, was that 2010 or 12 or I don't know what season that was, but fantastic year for the anime seasons. I'm glad you brought that up. That was a good show, and I'm happy to hear more people have seen that. Now, Mr. Noah, would you say that you have any predictions for the coaches? Absolutely. As a repertoire expert of all things that are ADR-related, I decided that we need to pull out the raunchiest, the nastiest, the person with the lewdest mentality in the entire state of Texas. And that could be none other than Jerry Jewell and Jamie Marchi taking reins and smashing butts throughout the entire script. Because you have a script made entirely of butt puns, boob puns, and you need a writer who can put them into the script and make it sound funny and a director to actually make it sound believable. If you don't have that, you're just going to get a Stephen Foster dub. And God knows we don't need that asshole in the ring any longer. A most infamous coach who has long since been retired from the sport. Amen to that. I, uh, rest in peace. Gone the ways of the great Marv Albert as Stephen Foster. But unfortunately, it seems like our draft picks did not come true. In reality, the one coaching this dub is none other than ADR director Clifford Chapin. Mm. We we first must uh, congratulate Mr. Chapin because he has finally directed a good full-on series broadcast dub ever. Now, yeah. star, well, star, I might have a little bit of a crossroads to go in, when a bit of a crossfire when we reach down that subject, but I will not deny this is a talented up-and-comer who I've been following now for a couple of seasons now. And honestly, I really do think he's got a lot of potential on his way, and I do think this is one that'll challenge him. The only problem with Clifford Chapin's direction is not the direction in itself, but rather the subject material that he's latched onto. He's had the direct dubs for such junk as Divine Gate. 
Mr. Chapin surely has enough junk in his trunk to make him more than <coughs> suited for this dairyeristic performance. Yes. Other, he has others, more junk in his trunk to back this thing up, if you will. Other directorial... Are you are you trying to tell me that the Rolling Girls was anything other than a masterpiece? Mm -hmm. What about I am or, or, talking or, about him as a full director, not an assistant director. Ah, okay, then I point you to the greatest series that this man has ever done in all his lifetime, and that of course is Dime a Dollar. Yes, the Dime a Dollar dub was definitely good experience for him taking on the perils of Keijo. Other series he has directed include Blood Brothers Conflict, most recently Castletown Dandelion, Planetarian, and Assistant ADR Director for Yona of the Dawn. So, the, the second season. This is true. Now, gentlemen, gentlemen, what did we think overall of Mr. Chapin's directorial? 10 out of 10, he knocked it out of the park. Hmm. The, the, the actors in and of themselves exude a lot of energy, confidence, a lot of bodaciousness in their portrayals and in their fighting spirit. So I must say I am most impressed. But, but, <laughs> but, but, but. Oh, there's a big but, apparently. There is a big but that I think we are forgetting to mention that... He, there is another person leading the charge in coaching, masseusing, and overall taking care of the needs of today's champions and sports attendees. That Do would you write mean you, the script writer? That would write be you, the script writer in Didi. Okay. That's right. Right you are, Mr. Nash. And the lead writer for Keijo hold is up, the lovely... I ain't give my predictions for Ryder. Did anybody? I did not. I am not usually one that follows the writing circuit particularly. I just figured somebody who had good skills in that department. Okay, because as I stated earlier, in case you forgot, I had three of them and one was right. Very well, Mr. Star. Please, would you tell us your predictions for lead writer? My predictions for lead writer, Mr. Cosell, were... Jamie Markey, Kristen McGuire, and my first pick, may I say, Mr. Cassell? Absolutely. The lead writer for Keijo is none other than Miss Monica Rial. What? How did that happen? How in the world did that woman get saddled with this job? I ask you, people at home, and in fact, I can actually answer that for you. May I tell a story from the far distant past of Yomicon? You may tell a story, my good sir. Back in the day, uh, this being about two weeks ago, because that's when Yomicon in Detroit happened, we got to meet Monica Rial herself, and she was hosting a panel about ADR scriptwriting, oh, and it was, was fantastic. Oh yes, and of course, this was while she was in the midst of writing the dub script for this particular show. And because she had to explain to us how she did it, she had a little secret about how she does it. Apparently, she has two lists, like two uh, Word documents on her computer. One of them is two pages worth of synonyms for butt. And the other one is two pages of synonyms for boobs. Because this woman 
to keep up her script writing from getting like overly repetitive, has to make sure that she uses all the words for boobs and butts there are in the English language. Hmm. That actually I do increases my respect for this side coach, if you will. Actually, I am very impressed at the dedication and aspirations. Aspirations that this <laughs> person is undergoing to get prepared for the season, and I am most impressed with her work, actually. To speak more of Monica's aspirations and various accomplishments, she's also been tied to scripts for shows such as Apple Seed 13, Binto, Best Student Council, Birdie the Mighty, and the list goes on and on. So how do we feel about Monica's script writing? The script writing is very wonderful, Mr. Corsell. I feel it doesn't overcomplicate things. And now that I think about it, this is essentially Team Divine Gate, or as we now should call them, Team Buttcrack. <laughs> Team Buttcrack indeed, Mr. Star. Team Buttcrack indeed. I, so I think without... I will coin that, that. I will coin your nickname as well, Mr. Star. I am most impressed with that. We have deed. not seen. We have not seen a director scribe writer uh, combo since Team MFR. <laughs> Team Effer is a hot one on the circuit, but they have since been gone off, going their own separate ways. But hopefully, somewhere down the road, we will see the two again reunited. A power and team that must well, be brought back. Well, well, Mr. Andre, they are currently directing Chaos Dragon, now available for streaming. <laughs> what oh, a shameless plug oh, there, Mr. Mr. Star. Star. Why would we? Terrible. Why would we advertise hot trash on our programming? I agree. I, you should be watching good stuff like Freezing or Castle Town Dandelion. Surely y'all check. Every everyone knows. Movie. Everyone knows <laughs> the best show streaming right now is of course Ninja Slayer from Animation. But before we get too sidetracked, please let us move on. To the, to Actually, the women who are teaching. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Hardy. I wanted to just quickly say my final thoughts. I do believe that this is a combination of director and writer that have actually been proving themselves quite well. I very much like Mr. Chapin, and I'm very much a fan of, of Miss Rial as well. And I think this isn't a, a terribly intrusive one. It's actually quite funny. It's very hyperactive. And a lot of the performances given by our our actors is actually quite spectacular. Especially considering that this subject matter did not have to be taken so seriously. We could have easily gotten away with a gag dub or actors who did not take the content very seriously. But as is typical for broadcast dubs from Funimation, we always get some of the best dubs from some of the worst content. And that continues to happen here. We can appreciate that neither of these two made an ass of themselves. And that's all I'm going to say. Before we get to the butt of too many jokes, let us move on to the brave women who have decided to teach the seasons of greatest uh, K-Joe players. I speak, of course, of Miku Kobayakawa, Nagisa Ujibe, and Hitomi Hokuto. Three that former was... professional Keijo players who have turned from regular play 
to teach the new generation of Keijo princesses. Now, who did we have predictions for these three lovely ladies of the ring? All right, Mr. Koso, I'm going to go through my fantasy A predictions, and let's see where I'm at. Hmm. Now, for Miss... Um, my apologies, I'm just having a hard time remembering the names of these talented ladies. It's definitely been a while since they've been on the circuit. Um, well, <laughs> let's see... It's blonde, brunette, redhead. Uh, was one of them Mio? No. Okay. No. Hanabi. No. Wait, I don't actually have predictions for the teachers. Shit! All right. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Uh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you need to have a good common sense when going into this. Because those beautiful butts can just take your entire thing process away. So, I'm going to take us back in time instead with my own predictions. Let's go back in time to the glory days, all the way back into the past of 2003, when we had ADV Films. And back in ADV Films days, they licensed a show that many of you have probably heard of before called Azamon Gadayo. And that show happened to have two teachers in it as well. And so I decided to give predictions for two of our teachers to those same actresses in this show. And lo and behold, one of those was actually right. So I won't list that one just yet. But what I predicted was for Miku, the one who can use her butt and smash the chalk into someone's face, which is an incredible skill. I have to wonder how she did that. I decided to put Lucy Christian in that role. She just seemed like the kind of peppy, sadistic teacher that was kind of the same thing that was uh, Yukari-sensei from uh, Asuma Gadayo. And I'm not going to say who I thought Hitomi was because that happened to actually be correct. So I'll just skip ahead instead, if I may, to the other teacher. May I do that, gentlemen? You may, sir. Excellent. So we've talked about two of the teachers. One of them is the indoor teacher who smacks people with chalk with her butt. The other one is the outdoor teacher. The third one, though, is probably the one that all of you have, like, what? Reactions to. And that would be the siren. That being the big girl, like the really big fat teacher who... For some reason, decided to now, stick around in the sport. Now, to be fair, Mr. Noah, allow me to educate you. She used to be the siren known for her incredible beauty and skill in the ring, but she injured herself seriously using the vacuum butt technique and allowed herself to get out of shape. That is true, and I am so glad that we at least have one slightly different figured character because for some reason, almost all the women in the show are like super hot. Like, slender bodies with all the fat in the boobs in the butt region. So it's nice to have one more normal-looking woman in the cast. With and because all, she's... With all due respect, yeah. Mr. Noah, I must say this is a top-tier Japanese training academy. <laughs> they can only allow the best of the best. And whether or not they are lacking in one department or the other, they at least need to be semi-in-shape capable of fast maneuverability, able to take care of their body and properly diet in order to at least be able to play the sport and participate among the challenges and various competitions awaiting them. That is now, gentlemen, so, so simply gentlemen, put, this, this show actually has somewhat of an excuse for why the women are kind, uh, like big-titted big-assed and, like, small ways. So I can buy that. At least. Yeah. Like a character. 
Back again. <clears throat> so, low-voiced, bigger character in this one. I had to go through the roster and find the only woman with the voice low enough and sultry enough to pull off a siren. That being, of course, the lovely, voluptuous Colleen Clinkenbeard. Yeah. Very, very interesting oh choices on your part, Mr. Noah. As for myself, I chose Miss Monica Rial using her big girl voice to voice Nagisa Ujibe. As for Miku Kobayakawa, I chose Lydia Make. And in the case of Hitomi Hokuto, I chose your choice, Colleen Klinkenbeard. Unfortunately, I was completely incorrect. Okay. Mr. Star, it is your turn. Okay, I have three draft picks, all of which were wrong. <laughs> for for Hitomi Hokuto, I had Anastasia Munoz. For the teacher, Miku, I had Tia Ballard. The Siren, however, is kind of an odd choice, as I had both Terry Doty and Caitlin Glass. <laughs> All yeah. very, very interesting choices, Mr. Star. However, only one of us is right. Mr. Noah, tell us who is voicing, who are voicing these three beautiful ladies of the sea. We have some of the most top-tier voice actresses from Funimation, because we only have the best at Funimation. For the siren herself, we got not someone with uh, exactly a low voice, but someone with a strong, almost foul look voice we got of course and she's got red hair so it's gotta be jamie marchy and marquee actually i'm gonna i'm gonna say it as the I h is silent i'm from michigan football i don't pronounce anything correctly we call it pop instead of soda we call them youpers instead of from the upper mr noah mr noah mr and as i was saying the other teachers in this whole thing miku is voiced by don bennett of all people and the one that I got right, which will be my gold star for the whole night, Hitomi is voiced, surprisingly enough, by Monica Rial, using In her big girl voice. Indeed it is so. As you know, Monica Rial has more anime credits to her name than anyone currently working in the industry. Just to bring out some... It would be hard just to name one or two, but most recently she was Kaide Kayano from Assassination Classroom. She was... And I'm getting ahead of myself. She was... Uh, please Emma list off some... Guzman from Garo. Subaki Nakatus... Subaki from Soul Eater. Interesting. So she... Basically does higher pitched voices in all of her performances, which makes this one a bit odd because she's using what we've dubbed her big girl voice, which is not how she sounds in normal conversation. Or her Michiko Melandro voice. That, and yes. Indeed, and indeed. And despite the context we give you, we do love all Monica voices far and wide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have we have controversial ideas in that we prefer to see a fresh new fresh new players thrown on the field every now and then and while veteran players are much appreciated we sometimes prefer and respect the coaches that are willing to throw in the much younger inexperienced talents to the field i was just talking about monica's voice yes 
Moving on. Basically, the woman is going to be doing voice work well into her 90s. She will be the new June Foray. Speaking of newer voices, Miss Dawn Bennett. Thank you, Mr. Nash, for that segue. Dawn Bennett has been making the rounds recently for 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 roles in shows, highbrow shows such as Bikini Warriors and Dance with <laughs> Devils, also First Love Monster, and Ah as Show by Rock, and Rico Flamel as Sky Wizards Academy. Truly, such highbrow entertainment could not be asked for. Give give the uh, woman some credit. She also has a character from Freedom Planet named Lilac, and she is, in fact, a dragon. This is true. And her range surely knows no bounds, as she's able to voice both young and old characters with equal skill. Preppy and stern and ladylike. It is a most Mm -hmm. dynamic and impressive range, and it works well, especially with this woman who has her eyes sealed shut like she was the love child of Brock. (laughs) And on to the siren herself. The lovely red-headed Miss Jamie Markey is known for voicing spunky redheads all across the anime universe, such as Rinka Hayame from Assassination Classroom, such as Meg from Burst Angel, and the list goes on and on. Wait, she was in Burst Angel? Yes. She was. She made her debut in Burst Angel. In I fact. was going to say, I was just a young tadlet, tadpole at that point. I did not realize that she had been around that long. That just blew my cotton-picking mind. Speak, Let's get a replay believe, on that. Speaking of young tadpoles, let us get the elephants in the room, people. If you hear the sounds of a small child, our co-commentator, Mr. Noah, is in fact a father unlike the rest of us. Indeed, yes. indeed. So how did we feel of these three lovely ladies' performances? Well, I'll go I'll go over my roundtable pretty quickly. Miss Rial always impresses when she uses a much sterner tone of voice, and I always appreciate that. I always like to hear more of Miss Bennett and hearing her play a strong authority figure, very well versed in ast- astrology is most impressive, and the way she handles shock is most notably something to write down. And, of course, Miss Jamie Marquis. She she is playing a much lower tone of voice, but she is somebody I would most definitely see as a strong, stern, badass authority figure teaching these young ladies about using their assets to their fullest untapped, shown-in-level potential. I like it's it. a necessary character. You like it? Alright. Yes. May I throw some, uh, perhaps some salt into the water to make it slightly salty water? You may throw your salt, my good sir. Although I do love what Jamie has done in previous seasons, I am not quite sure that I like the monotone bit that she's got going on for some of the Siren's rules. It tends to, t- for example, in episode three, she's supposed to be more serious in describing how you're supposed to do the, re- it's like the vacuum butt cannon, I believe if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yes, yes. the vacuum butt cannon. Yes, yes. Truly okay. a move for the ages. Uh, 
we will let you see the visuals on that yourself. Uh, but when she's describing why it's so important to not overdo it in that situation, her voice becomes a bit more monotone and not quite as engaging as it was when she was challenging the young girls to take her on cheek to cheek, as it were. As for the other two, Dawn and Monica do a good job with what they have so far. They've only had slight roles so far, and it's nice to have perhaps more normal-sounding voices versus the rest of the girls who are... Uh, I'm not going to say they're crazy, but I am going to say that they're all hyped up to win this thing, so they tend to be much more energetic than the teachers do. Yes, uh, Monica and Jamie are pretty much just doing their thing. Dawn is very good, a big up-and-comer. She's giving them a run for their money, just like another actress we will talk about next. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I Speaking... believe Mr. Stahl made a good segue for our next segment. Back yes, to... indeed. Yes. Moving on from... Moving, bit of a crazed fan has invaded the set. Excuse me, kind sir. How young is this fan, so to speak? The love for... Booty knows no age limit, and this young boy here is actually more a fan of up top, as it were. If we were to get well, into that you, space dandy fight. He is you, only three years old. Well, <laughs> you know, Mr. Clue, it is booty, 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 rocking everywhere. Yes, indeed. Oh, booty, God. booty, booty, rocking everywhere. Oh, God. This is totally, this is totally not safe for young children. Move, moving <laughs> on. Fortunately, there are to no visuals on this group of students. Two muscle-bound beauties who do not conform to the unrealistically unrealistic proportions of today's society. No, in fact, they have eschewed such modern standards of beauty and have chosen to escalate their their muscular structures to the absolute limit. We are talking about the lovely Atsuko Yoshida and Yuko Oshima. I must give these two ladies credit, even though they are muscle-bound titans of their class. They are still quite beautiful, attractive, strong-willed, powerful fighters in the world of Keijo. Although there is still one muscle-bound lady who will... Call, hold the clutches of my heart for years to come in terms of muscle-bound beauties, and that would be Miss Sakura Ogami from the Danganronpa franchise. Unrelated, but I feel like she would actually make a killing debut were she ever to participate in this sport alongside her best friend slash arguable life partner, Aoi Azahina. Both of which I, I thought you were gonna make really like I thought you were gonna make characters in Keijo. Holy I thought you were going to make like a My Hero Academia crossover and say, they have nothing upon my favorite Mount Lady, who it is a pleasure to make her ass acquaintance. Everyone, oh, ev gentlemen, gentlemen, everyone knows best looking strong woman is of course Zarya from Overwatch, but we're getting sidetracked. Way, As way over sidetracked. Very, very over sidetracked. We need, we have the... I'm hearing something from our producers. We need to keep wrapping up. We need to keep moving on, please. Well, the producers should be happy to know that I did not have any predictions for either of these two ladies, as I was not sure how crucial their roles would be in the long term. Unfortunately, I too did not have any predictions for these two beautiful titans of Keijo. Uh, as for you two. Okay, I had predictions, Mr. Cosell. 
uh, one for Yuko and three for Atsuko. Atsuko, I got half right, and I'll explain that later. Interesting. With all due respect, sir, how does one get it half right? You can explain to me later. <laughs> I just you're you're either right or you're wrong. Mr. Clue, what was your, or rather, Mr. Noah? I'm gearing out of character. That's all, this whole thing is entirely out of character. As I was saying, <clears throat> I decided to go through the whole list of people who could be badass women, and I was kind of in your same camp in that I wanted the lesser-known talents to get some of the higher-up roles, so I cast the more seasoned actresses down near the less uh, dialogue-heavy roles. So in the case of Ushima-san, who is the muscles lady, I decided to give Brina Palencia a role at this one. That is a very interesting choice. Please explain. Well, you see, Brina Palencia is strong-willed in all of her roles, ranging from Tough Holo from Spice and Wolf to probably the one that I was thinking of more was actually the Russian chick from Do Ra 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 Ra, where basically in all those roles she has to be tough, even if she's not like muscle strong. So, bring it all into Keijo here. That was the place where I thought Brina would be a good fit. Understood, Mr. Clue. As for me, uh, my only prediction for Oshima was Janelle Lutz. And in case you're wondering, who? Janelle I, I Lutz. Who? Janelle Lutz, the only thing I know her from is uh, End Ride because Louise and her lovely bosoms are three of the four reasons I watched that show. <laughs> you'll see you'll see the fourth later on as for how, I, yes that's mr Cosell. you were saying something how how could two bosoms be three of the four reasons is this a is this a total recall <laughs> sort of situation no sir it's just louise is a lovely person and it's strong and motivated just like yuko hmm. that is a good explanation please continue as for Atsuko, my three predictions were Martha Harms, Morgan Garrett. My half prediction was Colleen Clinkenbeard. And as for who's actually playing her, may I go ahead, Mr. Cosell? As, as well you should. Yes, the person playing Yoshida Atsuko is Marissa Lenti. Here's how the half right comes into play. Because I was discussing with my fellow commentator, Mr. Nash, about her. Because she is also in another show that me and Mr. Corsell are doing an episode on. To which he describes that he is both Monica and Colleen put together. I could not hear Colleen Clinkenbeard. But when I saw Asuka, I thought it was Colleen Clinkenbeard because I could hear a bit of Luffy coming out of her. So I texted Mr. Chapin about the results, and it turns out I lost that argument. And she, oddly enough, sounds like Monica and Jamie with Colleen throwing the to the mix. <laughs> so they took the ball, snapped it back to the end zone, threw it overhead, and in a Hail Mary, the stars collided, and three voice actresses fused into one to make a single Melissa. Is that what you're saying, Mr. Star? Second, first, it's Mul it's Marissa, and second, I believe that is, in fact, what he is trying to say. Although I see the reasoning for why you consider yourself half right. You were close, but no cigar, simply put. Yeah. 
Well indeed, put, Mr. Nash. Indeed, indeed. Marissa Linty is indeed the voice of Atsuko Yoshida. And let's take a look at some of the other roles she has played. Unfortunately, she is still a rather new star on the circuit. Her only major roles being Ilsa Lagnar from Attack on Titan Junior High and, an, and Katya Goldschmidt from Rio Rainbow Gate. There is also another role that we cannot talk about as we have not yet recorded that episode. And my boss will get on my tits if I find out I spoiled something. Wait, 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 so, wait. I did, not, I did not know that we were going to do a My Little Pony episode. Are you saying we can't talk about her role as Princess Celestia? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm breaking character. Just tell you to shut up. We do not mention that show <laughs> in this book. <coughs> anyways, anyways. You don't know the friendship. You can't punch me. You can't punch me through the screen. Do or the you microphone. Know the sun, do you feel the sunshine? Does it brighten up your day? Well, he, he going, well, he, going, he ain't <clears> getting <throat> no sunshine. Anyway. He's not going to reach out with tomorrow after he's done with you. Mo moving on. Anyways. Yes. Let, what do we think of Marissa Linty as the lovely Miss Atsuko, the purveyor of the Yasa Vajra? The Vajra is an impressive technique, and I think she does a pretty good job. I've only seen her play in one game so far, so I can't judge her to her fullest potential, but I am very confident and promised of the potential that lies, even though the result of her match in and of itself was bull****. I'll explain why later <laughs> on. Yes, she is very good as Atsuko, even though she her bunch of steel, my anaconda don't want none. Oh God! You sir uh, are not somebody who likes to adventure very much, are you? No, sir. No, he's just someone who doesn't appreciate pain on his wiener. Mister Mister Noah, what was your opinion? Actually, after that last visual about... Uh, I, I don't really have anything to add on top of that. I'm, I'm still trying to cleanse my brain. Moving on, the actress to play Miss Yuko Oshima is the one and only Miss Morgan Berry. More famous, perhaps, for her anime covers on YouTube. She has played such roles as Akihiko in Barakamon, Ichihiro, Ichirohiko in Boy and the Beast, Yoshiko, a.k.a. Yohane Tsushima in Love Life Sunshine, Toku Azuma in Riddle Story of Devil, and the list goes on and on. What did we think of Miss Berry as Miss Yuko? Miss Berry was very good at what she does, and I think she is a very strong up-and-comer for future seasons of the sport. It was a, a little off-putting to me, but I grew to love it later on. Simply put, this is one of my favorite Morgan Berry roles, I have to say. I am not a fan of the squeaking, shrieking teenager voice that she has, so when she's able to place someone stronger and more in control of her vocal range, I am a huge fan. It's, it's funny you mention uh, Johanne because... In my list, there were a couple references to Love Life. Wonder what you'll see later on. Mr. Noah, what were your opinions? In a 
well-rounded cast like this, and I do not just mean the geometry of the buttocks, you have to have lots of different voices to fill out the cast. Because if everyone sounds the same, then it's going to be the worst defeat we've ever had since we lost to goddamn Indiana State, and I will never hear the end of that for as long as I... <coughs> Noah, 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 rain it in. Rain it in, Mr. Noah, rain it in. However... It is very nice to have Morgan Berry bring a different kind of voice to the cast. It's more mature, it's a bit tougher, it's more gruff, and it's not attached to a silly accent, as we will be seeing coming up soon. So I liked the variety there, and like you said, it's very different from her normal squeaky girl voice. So I always appreciate it when voice actresses show they have range and the ability to take on different archetypes, because that means that they have more longevity in this cutthroat sport. That some of us are trying to get into, but can't get into, because goddammit, there's no place to dub anything around here. Hmm. Well put. Moving on from the muscle-bound beauties, we now go on to the cream of the crop, the elite class. These dangerous ladies have proven time and time again that they are a force to be reckoned with. I speak, of course, of Rin Rokudo, Mio Kusakai, and Hanabi Kawai. All three masters of the sport and dangerous on the land. Who did we predict to voice these three sirens of the deep? <laughs> Mr. Coastal, Mr. Hardy, I must say, I am very impressed with the talent here, and I'm very... They are all up-and-comers, strong fighters, blood in their veins, blood in their everything. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. How would you survive without any blood? Ooh, ooh. I broke character for that. I'm sorry. <clears throat> oh. We have a spurter, ladies and gentlemen. We have a spurter. Oh, God. Give him a, give him a cigar uh, and a okay, rocking road I would like beer to make or something. predictions for these three tough fighters. For in Rokudo, I had one prediction, funny enough, for Miss Dawn Bennett. For Mio Kusukai, I had three predictions as well. Jill Harris, Colleen Clinkenbeard, and Morgan Garrett. And finally, for Hanabi Kawai, Jeremy Lay, Jeannie Tirado, and Monica Rial. Funny you should mention, Mr. Nash, for I also had Monica as Hanabi Kawai. I also chose Miss Trina Nishimura to voice Rin Rokudo and Miss Jamie Markey to voice Mio Kusakai, because no one else can voice the crazed blonde lesbian like she can. <laughs> it's funny, Mr. Corsell, I sh also shared a couple of your predictions, namely... For Rin Rokudo, I also had Trina Nishima. I also had a newer voice on the scene, Miss Amberly Connors. For Mio Kusakai, I also shared your Jamie Monkey prediction, but I also had Morgan Garrett and Bryn Apple. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Bryn April. <laughs> As for Kawaii, I had Alexis Tipton because she looks like Kofuku from Noragami. And Ami from Kamisama Kiss. Mr. Noah, what were your predictions in this particular group of fighters? We are coming up to, as you said, the cream of the crop. But not just that, but all people who have like really interesting voices that I would like to hear more of. But 
in different roles than they're usually typecast as. So, let's start with uh, Rin Rin, Catgirl herself. Actually, this one is a bit more archetypal now that I think about it. Because she's a, a catty girl in more ways than one, I thought, who plays the biggest bitch who's been in a dub in the past couple of years? And I immediately thought of Bitch Sensei from Assassination Classroom, who of course is voiced by Martha Hams. Harms. Harms. Yeah, I, I never went to school to learn. I just played football all day, apparently. The irony being that this character is, in fact, lacking in her own hams. <laughs> but she makes up for it with the speed. She does make up for it by being a most impressive infighter at supersonic speeds. Speak yes. And speak speaking of going very fast, let's go over to the other very fast character, that being pink hair peppy girl herself. Wait, I know I'm going to mispronounce that. It's um, Hanabe Kowai. Hanabi Kowai. I again, I never went to Japan, and I'm I have no intention of language. That her last name is in and of itself a very easy pun because Kowai, Kowai is very much the Japanese phrase for it, big cutesy. It almost sounds like you said. It almost sounded like you said how to be Kowai. Well, the irony being, I believe it is pronounced Kowai. Which sounds like kowai, which means scary, which very much works for this particular deadly, unassuming yes. fighter. Exactly, and because of that, I decided that to bring in a voice actress who is typecast for being cute, but could probably pull off being scary as well. Who is the cutest voice that you know of all time, Jamal? I know that you know the one that I'm thinking of. Okay, it's either one or two. It's either gonna be it's Bryn April or Jill It is Bryn. I put Bryn April as supposed to be cute, but is actually in reality very terrifying because she never gets to play that kind of role. I want her to play one so badly. And no, I do not count Ritsu from Assassination Classroom because that didn't last for more than half an episode. A particular episode of Noragami Aragoto, but that's for another day. Thank gentlemen, you. gentlemen, we must keep on target. And speaking of being on target, Mio loves to get on target and grab that ass. And who el who do we know is the most foul-mouthed, ass-obsessed woman? Well, I at least in the characters that she voices in shows right now. I that's where I put Jamie Marquis as uh, ass. <laughs> I'm still on the puns now. Uh, for Mio in the cast list. That was Indeed, very. It, that was very asinine. Oh shit! I predicted her. Never mind. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's bad of you to. Uh, this proves, Mr. Star. It's bad of you to assume other people's predictions. Because uh, when you ass, assume, I, it makes an ass out of you and me. That is yeah. very true. But unfortunately, it seems that we were all wrong with our predictions. Cat girl Miss Rin Rin Rokido is voiced by none other than Alex Moore. Miss Nagisa, no, sorry, Miss Hanabi Kawai is voiced by Kristen Maguire, and Mio Kusakai is voiced by none other than Michelle Rojas. So, to shine some light on their various careers, Alex Moore has voiced such roles as Agnes in A Certain Magical Index 2, Suzuno in Devil is a Part-Timer, Lim Lisha in Lord Marksman and Vanadis, 
Lalot and Maria the Virgin Witch, and Mitsuba Sango and Seraph of the End, Battle in Nagoya. As, as far as Kristen Maguire goes, she has voice roles such as Hina No from Assassination Classroom, Karen Ayugase from Castletown Dandelion, Hanabi Ko... Well, I just mentioned that. <laughs> Yuriko from Mikagara School Suite. Chio Kurihara from Prison School, to which she actually bears a very distinct likeness in real life. And Beach in Sky Wizards Academy. That poor, poor girl. I was going to point out, if I may, I was going to point out another role she plays in a current broadcast dub, which we'll talk about later. But it's very funny to me because that is also a very sadistic cute character and it's a good thing that she stays off the ice in that one mm -hmm. it's a good as far as 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 far as mio goes she is voice as far as michelle rojas i'm sorry i'm starting to stutter again forgive me you are forgiven Mich sir. please continue Michelle Rojas voices such choice roles as Toka Yada in Assassination Classroom, as Toka Yadogame in Data Live. In other words, she voices a lot of characters named Toka. She's the token she also, Toka. She is the token Toka indeed. She voices Kanade Sakurada in Castletown Dandelion, Kei in Divine Gate, and Mikoto Sakuragawa in Gonna Be the Twin Tail. So, gentlemen, what did we think of these lovely ladies' performances? It's funny. It's funny you mentioned uh, Hina no for Kristen McGuire because Kawaii looks like a purple-haired Hina no, and because this whole place, this whole setting is a training school. I've been calling Keijo the other ass class because of that. <laughs> Which, ironically, that show did not feature any asses. It did not. The, it did not. The only asset featured was Nagisa himself. And if I might make a callback, we also have a big ass teacher in this show named Nagisa. So the the Nagisa buta, booty is alive and well. I might add. I must it's say, the second I coming really, of the booty. I really do hope that the future recruiters will consider the male circuit for Keijo in future future tournament, <laughs> as I feel like Mr. Nagisa from Assassination Classroom of the Ass Class fame in and of itself would make a strong, unsuspecting in-fighter candidate. But moving on, what were our impressions of this cast of characters? I'll make my words quick, as I know everybody else has things to say. I am very impressed with Miss McGuire, as I think she pulls off both parts of Kawaii's performance very well, playing cutesy and deadly, all in a deadly combination of pure adorable killing sprees. And Mio is also played by Michelle Rojas, who fits into the archetype very well, and I do like it when she performs. Alex Moore as Rinarine is most curious but overall, I actually am kind of intrigued and kind of impressed with the uniqueness of the range she performs. And I ended up liking it. While I wasn't sure at first, she grew on me, and I like this little mischief mischievous cat-eared person. Now y'all may go. I might have to excuse myself to the laboratory. Certainly. As, as Andre goes to piss, 
What do you two have to say? Uh, Kawhi was batch crazy. Uh, Mio was very good. I, I never really heard that much of a range from Michelle Rojas. As for Rin, I could not tell that it was Alex Boyd first because I thought it was Michelle Rojas in the dual role. It's nice to hear her. She needs to be in more roles like these often. I mean, not so much that, uh, you know, the characters are fighting with their butts and stuff, but she needs to be <laughs> more strong roles often. No, no, we need more shows where it has one token butt fighter character on the cast in every single one of them. Well, Case one... closed will not be complete until we have one of those. Okay, first off, f*** that, man. We're not starting this again, okay? I, 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 Se- second I'm sorry, of all, I... we just need one token butt per series, you know? Mr. Star, may I remind you, this is a syndicated television program. You do not need to be (laughs) dropping language such as that on ABC. (laughs) It's okay, Mr. Corsell. The uh, producer... ABC, the the ass broadcasting company. The anus broadcasting company of America. (laughs) Always butt cheeks company of America. Uh, It's okay, (laughs) Mr. Corsell. The uh, producer can uh, edit out or censor me if need be. Then please, by all means, continue. Yes, as I was saying, she needs to be a more the strong role kind of characters. And if anything, every series should have have at least one token butt character. You know, either that character who's so foolish or who's so dumb you want to hate them. And you think that one of the... You think that... Mio fits that role in the show? No. No. I'm just saying, this is not for this kind of show. Is it, you though, know. Is it really? No, actually, no. Th- that's the good thing I appreciate about this show, is that although there's a wide range of characters, and they're clearly taking part in a sport that mm. is meant to appeal to thirsty men, none of the characters are actually stupid, per se. Mm. This, this is a good... This is a good point I'd like to bring out, is that even though they are rivals on the sport, they are by no means enemies to each other. Agreed. It's it's just odd. It is very odd that they can be so friendly to each other. And I appreciate that, though. It's like, in the midst of all of these butts and chests, the show still managed to get to the heart of actually having heart. I also appreciate the fact that this is a majority female cast, and there is no glasses-wearing, dopey-eyed, virgin mother bleeding his nose everywhere at the sight of all these bodacious babes. Yes, in other words, there are no men to be had, except for that one background <laughs> character. But we don't talk about him. No, no, we do not. We do not. Because nobody talks about him. But what I can appreciate most about this show is the spirit of friendly competition. I will say it shows it shows that friendly competition is not dead even amongst bitter rivals. We can see two of our main characters fighting each other in the main opening of the show, and yet we know that they are best friends and would never hurt each other in real life. Well, what I like about this show is how much of the sport has a, a strong resemblance to wrestling and martial arts. And if you think this show and its premise are kind of cheesy, go watch yourselves a late 80s, early 90s martial arts movie 
and tell me that doesn't look cheesy enough to you. <laughs> all I can say is Bloodsport is one of the greatest martial arts movies of all time, and I'll leave it at that. I will save my full thoughts for the overall production of this season's quality sporting entertainment for our final thoughts. Moving on to our final thoughts, let's go on to our final four. Our main four characters, our new draft picks. They have shown that they have the heart, the strength, and by all means, the glutes to compete head-to-head -head with the strongest combatants in Keijo. Yes. Let us start, let us start with Miss Non Tanaguchi and Miss Kazane Aoba. Excuse me, sir. Might I interject for just a minute or so? You may. This is before we get into our predictions of said characters and self, one of which I actually did get correct. I would like to take a minute and say, Non Toyoguchi f sucks. Holy s***. <laughs> I f this character and I know why this character is here but for God's sake this character is even more absurd to be in this type of show than thing the ditzy <laughs> slips on her feet over nothing is it's her fact that this is a sport about water and being on slippery slopes how the Mr. get into the school Mr. Nash, oh, Mr. Nash, Mr. Nash. Probably some f***ing nepotism shit or blowing the person in charge. Mr. Nash, Mr. Nash. The person in charge of an all-girls school about tits and ass is probably a man. Mr. Nash, remember, we are a syndicated show on national TV. You cannot use that kind of language. The CNN can Fox News can do whatever the f*** they want, and so can I. Hell yeah. F*** yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> no disrespect to Miss Nontana Toyoguchi, who has just as much reason to exist as anyone else on this show. Who did we predict for Miss Nontana Gucci and Kazane Aoba? And before we get to our predictions, can someone please give us a, a basic, basic idea of what their strengths and weaknesses are? Absolutely. Let me give you the rundown for these two up-and-comers. In the left corner, we have Nan, who is the red-haired country bumpkin character who has the insane ability to trip over everything and be the klutz of the class, even in a show where everyone seems to be having difficulty with their physical abilities, which is why they're not in the elite class. And then over in the other corner, we have the much more capable, but much more quieter, Aoba, who has this ponytail that is alive. Not since the days of Chio-chan have I seen hair that is this alive. And it swishes back and forth to show where the wind is going, which gives her the ability to tell where the ball is going to go so that she can hit it with her butt. And also, she is much more stacked than we are initially thought to believe. Yes, and that kind of influences one of my predictions when we get to there. Go. Why don't Let you us give us that prediction right now, Mr. Star? Yes, I had uh, two for Alba and one for Toyoguchi. Toyoguchi, I got right. As did I. As did I. What? For Alba, I had Michelle Rojas. And uh, my first prediction, because I pretty much looked at the character designs on this, 
Alba kind of reminds me of a certain anime character I may or may not have a crush on. Is I she mean the? A, I mean a huge crush. Is she fighting evil by moonlight? Yes. Winning <laughs> love by daylight. Mr. Star, Where Mr. She... Star, you are a coach of these fine young magical girls. The less you say about which one of them you are infatuated with and or having a backdoor relationship with is probably better for your career, good sir. Yes, Mr. Nash. Thank you for reminding me. So my first prediction was Miss Amanda C. Miller. Hmm. In a Funimation dub. Interesting. Would be an interesting choice. Hmm. I would like to list off my predictions quickly. I had two for Miss Alba. I had two for Toyoguchi, one of which I got right. So I'll say the one I got wrong. Uh, for Toyoguchi, I predicted Tia Ballard. And for Kazune Alba, I had Trina Nishimura and Jade Saxton. From my predictions, I predicted both Mrs. Caitlin Glass... And Mrs. Colleen Clinkenbeard for Kazane Aoba, for reasons I'm not even sure why. As for Miss Non Tanaguchi, I quite honestly forget who I predicted. I had. Actually, no. I predicted Alexis Stipton. Oh, the irony, Mr. Hardy. My goodness, sir, are you a thief? Are you stealing from me? Because I also put Miss Alexis Tipton in the role for Nan, and I cannot believe that our minds synced up like that. And on top of that, I'm going to have to say that Mr. Andrew also stole from me because I also put Trina Nishimura down as the one for Alba. You people are clearly stealing the good moves from the best teams and passing them off as your own. It's not my fault Unfortun- you your notes around, bitch. <laughs> gentlemen, gentlemen, we must come I will come see your down. ass in court. My ass isn't gentlemen. big enough for your court. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, can we move on, please? This is unprofessional yes. of us as commentators. Mr. Stephen A. Stark, <laughs> could you please tell us who plays these two lovely ladies? Well, what draw my eye, Mr. Hardy, is that Toyoguchi reminds me of Ruby from Love Life Sunshine. Both voice and attitude. And who voiced Ruby in Love Life Sunshine is Miss Sarah Wiedenheft. I did, in fact, get indeed, this one correct indeed. as well. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. Sarah Wiedenheft is most known for roles such as Mage in Bikini Warriors, Michelle Watch in Blood Blockade Battlefront, Hikari Sakurada in Castle Town Dandelion. Uh, Undine in Divine Gate, Alicia in Enride. The fourth reason I watched that show. Indeed. Aikasube, a.k.a. Tail Blue in Gonna Be the Twin Tail. And perhaps her most notable appearance, Rinka Urushiba in Tokyo ESP. I'm surprised you did not mention the other two crucial roles. One from the <laughs> Grimgar of Fantasy and Ass, a previous Ass-related season she was a part of as... Shihoru. I actually which forgot, is I, I actually forgot which her it, name, shit. And who's which, the which other is one I, that I know you're going to bring up? Because, let, you know what? Let's bring it up right now. Who does she play... In Hunipop. She is. She plays Celeste Lovendas. There we go, there we go. Because everybody's Lovendas. Yes. I feel the need to bring that she... up for a later thing. 
I'd like to say that Miss Sarah Wiedenheff is definitely out of this world. Eh? Eh? I believe Miss Wiedenheff has a strong experience of playing cutesy, pure cinnamon, ro in cinnamon rolls <laughs> who can do no wrong, possibly with a little bit of extra plump and spice added into the dough every now and then to make it all the more allurious and appealing, but she sounds adorable and well-rounded, even though I f***ing hate this stupid f***ing character, and it's completely bull for this stupid f***ing show about a Cut to commercials! Cut to commercials! I apologize, my fellow co-commentators and viewers, I just... I, I feel there's some nepotism at play for how this particular particular <laughs> athlete got into the school. As for Alba, she is played by the lovely Miss Alexis Tipton. And I believe yes. she is very cutesy and very interesting. She's played this type of character before, and I actually do quite enjoy Alba as a character. I enjoy the fact that her ability is to basically copy the other abilities through her succulent hands. Basically like the androids from Dragon <laughs> Ball Z. Actually, or she's with the pretty, same amount she's of grabby and uncomfortableness. She's the Mega Man of asses, if you could say. Isn't that just Guts Man? Dun-dun! Anyways, I, I do like Kazune. I think she's speaking, adorable. Speaking more of Alexis Tipton's various career... She has voiced characters such as Haruka from Aesthetica of a Rogue Hero. I am losing my sight. Mr. Nash, please take over for me. For Miss Alexis Tipton, first of all, she has played other crucial roles as... I believe she is in Shobai Rock. As... Yes, she is the choo -choo bunny girl Choo-Choo. Choo-Choo, Choo-Choo, Choo-Choo. And she is also... Uh, the princess from Heavy Object. I'm going off script right now. I'm going to look at my notes. Melinda. Melinda. Now, what is the script that you speak of? She's Haru Ichinose from Real Story of Devil. Her starring role. She's Kofuku from Noragami, Ami from Kami Samakis. Le Let us not forget her most famous debut role mm -hmm. of Sunsetto from My, my Bride, Bride is, is a Mermaid. mermaid. Uh, I'd argue that was a debut role, but okay. And so also the the tea-drinking person in prison school, Hana, as well. Mm, this is oh, if you throw one more out there. Oh, oh. This is the only part of that mm, show mm. that you really have to remember. Wait, there, there's one crucial role to a repertoire I'm forgetting. Maria of Maria the Virgin Witch. One of my personal favorites that she has ever performed. As well as, 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 well as Kurumi Tokisaki and Honey from Space Dandy. Both of which are favorites of mine as well. Anyways, I like Kazane Alba. I think she's she's got she's actually got an interesting character, and I like the idea of being able to copy her moves and the fact that she struggles to interact with people. That she kind of turned that around in episode four when she actually sucked up her shyness and worked together to, to defeat a to try and defeat a stronger foe. And I thought that was pretty admirable. I will say this in my personal opinion, and it goes against popular opinion. I do not think either of these girls can pull off a convincing southern accent. Alexis yes. is much better than Sarah is. Sarah is just absolutely terrible. 
And you are a uh, fan uh, of this particular uh, uh, performer as well. You just are not very convinced by her southern dialect. You being a southerner I can, yourself. I'm being a southerner myself. Actually, with the voice of a New Yorker, apparently, in this episode. <laughs> I believe Alexis Tipton can pull it off because she herself is a southerner. Sarah, on the other hand, is from Holland. She is Dutch. Therefore, she does not know the proper pronunciation of the southern accent. And so, while I am a fan of both of these actresses, they gotta work on their southern accent, y'all. It's just terrible, really. There so is so they just dog in it, huh? I would. They just all. I wouldn't criticize just on the fact that mm. I'm from Jersey. Hey, so so am I, man. But you know, hey, it's yeah. easy to pull off. Su it's easy to pull off southern accent Wait, like this, fuck? you know. You're from Jersey. Hell yeah, mother. Wait, wait, is that what? <laughs> I thought you were from Florida. <laughs> nah. <laughs> no, I I live in Florida, but I'm from Jersey originally. Wait, I thought you were from Jam from Jamaica. Jam from you, man. <laughs> Oh, it's a anyways. Moving on. Certain demographics of our audience at a later date. First, the show must go on. Who else has not said their final roundtable thoughts on these characters? I'll go Two. ahead. Uh, I thought Albert. It was okay. I mean, it started off a little stern at first, but then is it became a typical Alexis Tipton role. She fit in quite nicely. And uh, even though Toyoguchi, we don't really need a token butt character, and we got one in Toyoguchi, no pun intended, I do think, you know, I enjoy for the kind of stick she, the stick she provides. And like I said, it's exactly like Ruby from Love, Life, Sunshine, so if you don't like Ruby, you don't like Noon. Now, what if I nev have no intentions of ever watching Love, Life in my entire life? Then I'll then I'll probably either send you the no actually it hasn't come out on DVD yet but I'll make sure <laughs> Megan gets you to watch it. No, no, she still has failed to make me watch Sarah for the end. Yes, I just saw that vlog, but she don't worry. One way or another, you will see it. You no! will see it. Well, yes, okay. this is true, Mister Noah. You will be witness to the gay vampire experience. Oh, if I'm going down, then if I must go down. I guess I'm taking this whole podcast with me by saying I actually liked Sarah Wiedenheff's performance in this. This is actually the second Sarah Wiedenheff role that uh, in a podcast we've talked about. I won't talk about what the other one is because that is a surprise. But in both those roles, she has to be the absolute craziest, nutso yeah. character possible without becoming overly annoying. And she manages to do that. Now as for the accent. I agree. It is a terrible, terrible accent. You snap the ball back to the other receiver with your slang, and then it just completely disappears for one line, and it comes back to the other, and zigzag across the board. But in the original Japanese, it was also kind of inconsistent and supposed to be very, it was supposed to be a bad accent. So they either had the option of trying to make it a believable accent or being very goofy with it. And I, for one, in a show that's this goofy, appreciate them going with a goofier accent. Yeah, I like it all around, you know, but, you know, in a show like this, you don't expect perfection, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And we'll get more on that subject as we lead into our two lead characters. Miss Sayaka Miyata 
and the lead role, Miss Nozomi Kaminashi. Now, I want to be bit, the richest in the world. Tell us, Miss Dr. Noah, please tell us a bit about our two lead roles. Absolutely. As in a show like this, you must have, it is written into the law, you must have two lead characters who are foils to each other, but they're still best friends. And in this, we have Nozomi, Nozomi not Nozomi, that's a different show. Nozomi, Nozomi. Nozomi is the peppy, upbeat, genki girl who is high on life and wants to earn all of the money by winning these butt challenges. And she is best friends with Miata, who is the quiet, white-haired person with a small chest, because of course, if, if you're quiet and white-haired, you can't have a big chest. And she is much more cunning and fast than her counterpart, Nozomi. So they are kind of like two different types of fighters, but they make good friends with each other because they both want to win for completely different reasons. At the very Would least, you say Miss Sayaka, is no Sasuke Uchiha. Indeed, Ooh. indeed. Would you say then for that they are the yin and the yang, the left and the right butt cheek of what makes up Keijo? I was almost going to say that one of them's the butt and the other's the boobs, but sure, we'll go with left and right butt cheek as well, because you can't have one cheek without the other. I like you say left and right, considering my predictions. All right, let, let's get into it. Sir, Star, what were your predictions? Well, I had four for Nozomi and five for Sayaka. Mm. That feels like it's cheating. Wait, did you but get we'll it? let it slide. Right? I almost did, but... You either did. Okay, we've had this conversation. I did not. I did not. I almost did, but I didn't. I got one. All right, well, who are, who'd you get, Star? Uh, for Sayaka, I figured uh, with her timid nature, you could easily fit somebody recognizable or a newer voice. So, for her, I had Afia Yu, Monica Rial, Bryn April, Michelle Lee, or Amber Lee Connors. All of which, Shut all of the that's up, Andrew. Okay. It, that's a no, wide range. Excuse me, it is Andre. <coughs> Thank you very much. You're being very unprofessional, Mr. Star. Anyways, I will say my one, my prediction for, my one incorrect prediction for Sayaka was also Miss Afia Yu. Yes. As for Nozomi, I had, I also had Afia Yu. I had Michelle Rojas, Lindsay Seidel, and Bryn April. For Miss Nozomi, I had two serious predictions and one that I believe I did on a dare from a fellow co-commentator. You'll know which one as soon as I say it. I had Miss Dawn Bennett, Jamie Markey, and Micah Solusad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I think this was, this was like... See, I wonder who that was. That, so I added... Oh yes, I can see the dub now. A big butt show, all the men buy it, and as soon as they hear the female voice leading it, all of a sudden, hey guys, it's me, Micah. As for me, I simply could not choose out a voice for Miss Nozomi, so I went all over the board. I chose Michelle Rojas. I chose Felicia Angel. I chose even Miss Monica Rial and Jade Saxton. 
Unfortunately, they were all wrong. As for Sayaka Miyata, I honestly cannot remember who I chose at the t Actually, I also chose Jade Saxton for her as well, because I left my options open. Might I introduce these two, if you will? I Mr. Noah, have you me. made predictions? Of course I made predictions! I make one prediction for everyone, unlike you people who make ten for everyone, and then still get it wrong somehow. It's but called playing the field, Dr. Noah. As a married man, I'd like to say that that's a terrible idea, and I'm a little jealous that you can do that, actually. That was but a long statement to make. Yes, Please it was. Please get to the point before we run out of time. The point of it all is that probably would have liked to have seen uh, more new upcomers for these roles, but in my mind, I thought only of people who are really, really versed in voice acting. That being for Miyata, pulling off her stalking voice, let's bring on down Monica Rial to take in that role. And then we get to the top. We get to the absolute tip of the game. Caitlin Glass. Hmm. What? Hmm. I thought you were going to say Alexis <coughs> Tipton. You know what? No. Hmm. I will say... Because... I'm oh, sorry. Here, the, Caitlin's... Caitlin always surprises me in how she has a wide range of personalities as well as pitch. And this role kind of reminded me a bit of her Miria voice from Bacchano. And it, it's definitely the enthusiasm is there. And since I hadn't put her anywhere else in the cast list, that's where I put Miss Caitlin. Didn't get it right, but if I was casting this, then we'd have an entirely different dub to talk about. Mr. Hardy, might I please take the floor at introducing our star players for tonight's sport. Indeed, indeed. All right. First and foremost, Mr. Noah, I believe your sentimentality of hiring newer talent was in fact well received. Because starting off, Miss Sayaka, this was the one I also got correct, was Miss Felicia Angeal, otherwise known yes. as our own team cheerleader. And <laughs> Miss Nozomi Kaminashi, a up-and-comer to the floor of Texas gaming. Miss Amber Lee Connors. Uh, okay, okay, Mr. Nash, you know I love you, but uh, Hardy, let me borrow your fedora real quick. Oh, come on, don't, don't pull well, actually. <laughs> I got to, man. Oh, hey, fucker. let me get, get, get Halo after this. Absolutely. Well, actually... Heyo! Yes, it's Felicia Angel. Oh, my f***ing Actually, God. it's Felicia Angel. Damn it! Actually, <laughs> actually, I get the last heyo after all. I thought we were just calling her mom. Yes, she is our dear Dub Talk mother. Or, uh, who you can also hear... Let's go with cheerleader yes. for this one. She yes, is the she Dub is Talk the... team cheerleader. The Invisible Mom herself from My Hero Academia. She's played such role, such roles as Sakia from Absolute Duo, as Mio from Aesthetica of a Rogue Hero, as Manami from Assassination Classroom. And the little as trolled scythe woman after my heart. The wonderful Shinoa Hiragi from Seraph of the End. Indeed, indeed. And so how do we feel about Miss Felicia's performance as Sayaka? She is 
spectacular as a shonen battle star, making her play in this field of sports. She is a talented, fast, lacking in the top assets, making up for her skill in bottom to the point that she's pulling off Dragon Ball Z super speed techniques after images that are hard enough for the eye to catch. And it is freaking, oh, it's freaking, it's hilarious actually. She's also not afraid to pull her skirt up her ass just to intrigue that <laughs> extra speed. I respect the speed boost. And the, the zip lines was actually super cool. Okay. As... I'll say the one... I'll, there are two roles... Uh, anyways, sorry. I'm, I'm, we're still talking about Sayaka before we move on to Nozomi. Yeah. Sayaka's great. I very much like her character a lot, actually. And I think Felicia does a pretty spectacular job at getting across the emotion as well as the strong action impact. Also, I gotta say, I know they're keeping this script fairly good with, like, the butt puns, but I feel like Butt Gatling has the single most missed opportunity <laughs> pun name you could ever come up with. Gatling, and what would Gatling bun. I am standing in sheer shock right now at how obvious that pun could have been. Yes. Such a missed opportunity. Yeah. Mr. Star, what are your opinions? Uh, in the in the case of Sayaka, I do find that she was a little stern, but polite. As if, you know, she's a reserved kind of person, you know, having a a deep past that affected her, but she shows her emotion very well. As for Nozomi, uh, as for Nozomi, is what I expected. The the voice is there, but the uh, dialogue is a tiny bit off-putting, especially in the first episode, but I believe as time goes on, it will get better, especially for the home release. I believe we should, since we are move, oh, sorry, we keep stealing the spotlight from Mr. Noah, who wants to speak on Sayaka's behalf, and then after you speak of Sayaka, we will move on to Nozomi and her performances. That is okay, I have a fully stocked bar here in the Michigan State University that keeps me perfectly happy while you're talking. And in this case here, I don't believe I've really heard much of Felicia Angel's performances before, so I didn't really have a good gauge about what to expect when I heard that she was going to be playing this character. It could either have been very dry or a little more on the peppy side, but it's somewhere in between the two, and I, I really like it. It's not like anything I've ever heard before, and given this character is both a bit reserved but also very motivated to be the best, that's a hard balance to pull off, which brings me to one thing I really like about this show. All the main characters have their own internal conflict that functions separately from the main character. A lot of times you'll have the other characters are just side characters, and we'll get back to them when we need to. But in this case here, Miyato's uh, attempts to be the best, fastest fighter in the whole league makes up an entire arc by itself so far, and I enjoy watching that. On, in addition to the rest of the characters' conflicts, if you can even call it conflicts. So, indeed, thumbs up all in, around. Yes. Indeed, indeed. And without further ado, let's move on to our main star, Miss Amber Lee Connors as Nozomi Kamenashi. She has starred, and this is her entire 
videography so far in the world of so professionals as as an anime voice actress she has been in assassination classroom she has been in castle town dandelion she was chihiro sakai in cheer boys she was macbeth in divine gate episode 9 she was lilith kishimoto in holy night she was pulse trans in eight episodes of juden chan she was Nozomi Kamanashi in Keijo. She was Tomomi Saikyo in Ladies vs. Butlers. She was Ryo Kazuno in Love Live Sunshine. She was in Ronpo Kitan Game of Laplace. She was the lead role in Ryo Rollins in Ryo Rainbow Gate. And she was Vera Kocha, a cat, in Three <laughs> Leaves, Three Colors. I would like but to she... add two. I know one you're going of to get course. to, but I'd first like to add... That she is the critically acclaimed Team Four Star voice actress for the role of Android 18. But that's not where her skills lie entirely, as she also has a large selection of video game roles. She was Amber in Dead Island Epidemic. She was Ava in Sunrider. Belly in Honey Camp Studio. Honey Pop. And also Sarah and Candence in Honey Camp Studio as well. She was in Death Metal Rhapsody and Cersei the Deceiver in Heroes of New Earth. Ginger in Dust and Elysian Tale. Ira in Burn Dreadout. Marika in Burn Your Fat With Me. Certainly not a game that she played in, in getting ready for Keijo. She was Neath in Smite and Sally in Detective Grimoire. So, gentlemen, how do we feel about her performance this season in Keijo? Before, before I move on to her performance, I would like to coin a certain term, if you will, copyright it right here now, between Amber Lee Connors, Sarah Wiedenhef, and I believe even in the first episode, a minor role played by Skylar Davenport, or Dave Davenport? Uh, yeah. Davenport. Davenport. Skylar Davenport. I would like to refer to the Keijo dub as something I would like to call the Funny Pop Reunion. Hey, yo! <laughs> I knew you would appreciate that, Mr. Hardy. But no, as her first main, like, anime lead role, I'm actually very happy to see how she's doing. She's adding a lot that I haven't actually heard of her range, she's very expressive, she's she's really good at doing action noises, she's really good at being preppy and kind of goofy, and I, I really love the little, like, bouncy strands on her hair, it's always very fun and energetic. I think, honestly, like, I, I appreciate that Clifford gave her the chance to have this lead role, as I think she's really kind of coming into her own, and... I appreciate that she's kind of uh, doing this. She's got a lot to offer in comedy timing. She's got, got a little bit of an accent, which I'm not sure if it's quite perfect, but it's it's doable for me. And the action yells and energy she brings to the shonen battle stuff is super cool. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the accents because a lot of the characters have accents in this show too. And I think going through the cast roster, this is social commentary on the state of Japan because... These girls are not in it for the fun. They're not in it for the fame. What are they in it for? They're in it for the money. 
And as we all know, if you are from the country, you cannot work in the office. You cannot go to Tokyo and get an edumacation. No, you have to do hard grueling labor in the fields or, in this case here, do sports in order to get all of the money. So there is some social commentary here as explanation for why these characters have slightly southernish accents. Yes, well, Mr. Dr. Noah, when you read it in the subtitles, of course there are accents to be expected, considering <laughs> how those went. But yes, I do find it is an arguable show about social commentary and, and on how you handle yourself around other people, especially when you're given the same situation, but you have different circumstances, such as being placed in a certain fighter class or meeting someone who has better strengths than you at the same time while you're handling your weakness. And I think that's what Keijo shines very brightly. It is not just more than blatant fan service anime. It is, it is something really to think about. It is interesting to me that for such a show that taunts itself for being quite fan service heavy, there are no, there's no nudity in this whole thing. And I don't know if that's just for the broadcast we're watching, if there's going to be full on frontal, but we've seen no nip slips, no bare butts. It's all been very TV-centric. Well, yes, that's the framing of the series for you. And uh, we must really keep it going because there are, there are a couple other predictions I want to make and we're starting to run out of time. But before we move on, I must be honest. I cannot, in great confidence, say that I am 100% behind Miss Connor's performance here. Shame on you, sir. I believe that back in 1984, when the Lions were going up against some other team I haven't heard of before, that people underestimated them as well. And true, they have not won the Super Bowl at all, but I still think one of these days they will get... Wait, what were we talking about Mr. again? Mr. Noah, Mr. Noah, rein it in. You mean Miss Noah? I must yeah. say... What do you have... What about it is not quite doing it for you? I believe the energy is there. I believe the talent is there. But she has not yet reached her full potential, much like the character she plays. Which is funny if you're caught up to the sub, but that's for another time. Mm -hmm. I do like Miss Connors. I do think she has earned her place in a lead role. But I do not think that this is the greatest performance she has given this season. Will she improve? That remains to be seen. And I do wish her the best on her future efforts so far. She is a, she is a new sports contender fairly early on in her sporting career. And I do believe once she has more time to shine and train under some other influential directors that she will truly come into her own in due time. Mm -hmm. But before we end this presentation, Mr. Stephen A. Starr, you had a few predictions that you were wanting to make. Would you please enlighten us on this? Yes, Mr. Cosell, because we could not wait till the next day, apparently. I have, I have a few other predictions for Kotone Fujisaki, Usagi Tsukishita, and Kyoko Shirayuki. For context, to make this real quick, Kotone is a... I guess you could say she's an infighter who is very unique in her old ways. She's got that headphones. She, do, 
She's got headphones and she does not really have much love for the sport like Nozomi. Usagi is a bunny girl who seeks to fight Nozomi whenever she gets the chance because she's really annoyed that Mio loves her more than that Mio loves her more than she does. And Kyoko is the quote-unquote missile lady that Alba reads about in the first episode. So, I'm not going to spoil that part. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, remind me about that one. Yes. For for Kotane, I had Bryn April. For, for Usagi, because it's also in, her name's Usagi, it's, I have Stephanie Shea. And I also have Jill Harris. And for Kyoko... <laughs> I also had Bryn, I also had Jill, I had Megan Shipman, and Caitlin Glass. I, I'd just like to ask, Have I, maybe I'm missing something, but have you heard uh, Stephanie Shea in a Funimation dub before? Yes, actually. Yes. She, she and, has been in several Funimation dubs, in fact, including recently in Danganronpa 3. Ah, yes. But that... Wasn't Danganronpa, I, again, correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't seen it yet, but wasn't that like a mix between L.A. and Funimation actors? Yes. She, yes. Was, also in, she was also in Mushishi. Mockingkey, Eden of the Mocking East. Key and Sh- Eden of the East. Strike Witches and the like. And- fellas, okay. fellas, fellas. All right, Mr. Star. Very interesting prediction. Scheduling as well as the holiday season approaching has led to scheduling conflictions, so I apologize. We could not do this before we found some of those out, but it is what it is. I believe we should segue to our final thoughts. Yes. Very well. Off to the final end zone we go. I will let you gentlemen say your thoughts first because I will have thoughts of my own. Excuse me. (laughs) <laughs> Lovely yeah. Very classy, Mr. Nash. Very classy indeed. Classy. That sounds dumb. Mr. Star, why do you not start us off first? Yes, uh, my opinions on the show, though some of the casting was what I really expected, I do find it solid overall. Fit, it fits very well with the uh, character designs. Thank God for Zybeck. And uh, <laughs> I do appreciate oh, the energy they bring into the shows. But I do kind of pose this question because I know at least one voice actor in here follows us. If every voice actor that was involved in this series had an actual Keijo tournament, who do you think would win? Oh, good God. Uh, uh, I... Oh, okay, let me think about that. Um... You mean just based on the actors that are in this cast, or of the entire Funimation roster? The, the actors that are in this cast. Mike McFarland. Uh, Mike McFarland would win everything. That, Game. That's in point. this cast. Mike yes. McFarland. I stand by it. I no. I bet Mike isn't. He's like a background character somewhere. He like he, he got a high pitched voice and stuck okay, into the recording every booth. Every major or minor character, no background roles. Clifford Chapin. If I, you. F- I honestly, if I had to be honest, I kind of think Monica would take all of them to town. It'd be a tie between Monica and Felicia and Jamie. No, I, I still think Monica would kick all their butts Have with her s- butts. You know, I'm not going to get into that. Let's just move on before I say something okay. stupid I regret. Too late. Mi- Dr. Noah, what, is, what are your final thoughts on this show? 
I did not originally want to be in this dubcast. I was forced into it, much like I was forced into almost every one of the show's cast that we've covered that I didn't want to be a part of at first. Like, I did not want to be part of Jamackle Murder, I did not ask to be part of First Love Monster, and I did not think I would have to watch Keijo. However, this turned out to be a happy coincidence, because thankfully it turned out to be more in-depth than I originally gave it credit for. There are multiple motivations for characters to keep them fighting in this game. No one really is mean-spirited about them degrading themselves by using butt and boob physics to win the game, and there is a genuine sense of camaraderie amongst them, because no one is like, meow, like cats slashing at each other, except maybe uh, Rin Rin, but that can be forgiven for being herself part cat. So I, li I like it, and I will continue to watch it, even though I have to hide it from my co-workers if I happen to be watching it at work. And your wife as well. Uh, my wife knows nothing about the taste of what I'm watching, except for Flip Flappers, because she watched an episode of that with me last night. Good. Oh, picks. oh, and she actually li she likes orange. I forgot to say that. She actually enjoyed orange. Good picks. Good picks. Yes. So, yeah. So Andre Nash, what are your final thoughts on this show? And please try to keep it within five minutes or less. I will keep it within five minutes or less, but not as Andre Nash... But as classy Spartan. Okay, so here's my thing of this show in general. It's, when it's at its peak, it is really strong. By what I consider the show's peak is when it goes full-on Keijo battle. Because the full-on Keijo battle is basically shonen battle, shonen sports action parody to the nth degree. To all the secret techniques, to the, oh, she's so fast, I can't keep up with her. And all that is basically a parody with all the super techniques, the secret powers. It's hysterical. The fact that they put the most time and energy into animating those fights and battles is what makes it charming and unique to me. And that's where I'm totally cool with, like, the fan service being like that because it's meant to be satire and basically fucking parody. And it fucking works to the joke. Where I feel this show's really kind of at its weakness is when it kind of falls into the genre tropes. You know what I'm talking about. The girls grabbing each other's boobs, all the shower scenes mm. and all that, the ripping of the clothes. It's like, it, it kind of takes away from being an actual kind of hilarious subversion to like a fan servicey stuff to just going into the same trappings as fan service stuff i do like a lot of i do i do think these characters are kind of interesting some of them are i like more than others no one i'm looking at you but i feel it's a it's a strong show by the way interesting thing enough the manga where this anime starts at like chapter 30 so there's like a lot more build-up in the original material. The start of Nozomi and like Sayaka's careers and stuff. Like, it, yep. this is basically like the start of them getting into the school is where they decide to start the show. Interesting right. choice, but that's a fun fact. I, I'm conflicted on the show. The action is fucking superb and hilarious, but I feel when it actually falls into its subver its it, when it's when it's subversing fantasy sh a shonen 
when it's subversive of fantasy shonen sports and fan service is when it's at its best. When it falls into the trappings of the fan service genre is when it's at its weakest. And we're all kind of immune. I think we're all a bit more immune to those trappings nowadays, or that it doesn't phase us so much anymore. Like you know, when we were first starting out, seeing a girl groping another girl, saying like, "I can't believe how big your boobs are," that would be like, "Whew, my day just got made." But nowadays, that doesn't really do much for us anymore, does it? I prefer classier fan service instead of more generic types. I guess is what I'm saying. I I will agree with you. And now for my final thoughts as well. I, Hardy Cosell, have been excited for this show since the announcement, and I can honestly say it does not disappoint. It is a guilty pleasure and yet not a guilty pleasure, both at the same time. This is one show that I honestly wanted to share with my brother, who is not a big anime fan, just to see how something so balls-to-the-wall and crazy can exist and yet still be quality entertainment at the same time. Oh I God. can honestly say I am a huge fan of Keijo, and I look forward to what it brings us for the rest of the season. The, you just As, said the phrase, I'm sorry, you just said the phrase balls to the wall. It just made me think about a Keijo tournament with guys where you can only use your balls to knock people off of the, off the board. <laughs> That uh, would be the shortest lived sport in the history of mankind. Basically, basically yeah. for that sport to actually exist, it has to be like that South Park episode where everybody gets like bull cancer. And oh, with the, the you, marijuana. You, you know what yeah. it reminds me of as soon as he said that? When no one talked about it in Double Talk. She, what did she call it? Slam Junk, I think she, she called it. <laughs> you know what's funny? There actually is a game called Genital Jousting now. I've oh, seen yeah, that before. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. Let's move on. It's very <laughs> grotesque. Okay, fellas. As the final curtain calls on this episode of Wide World of Dubs, I, Hardy Cosell, hereby thank my color commentators for joining me tonight, Mister Andre Nash, Mister Stephen A. Starr, and Doctor Noah Ufa. Thank you once again for contributing to this episode of the wide world of dubs it is a pleasure as always somebody had to do it glad it was us if you would like to hear more from dr noah ufa you can follow him at noah clue on twitter and also search him up as journey traveler on youtube as for Stephen A. Starr and Andre Nash, you can follow them also on Twitter at Jamstar529 and Mangaman9000, respectively. As for me, you can follow me at Spaceman Hardy on Twitter and also on the soon-to-be-reopened Funimation forums at www.funimation.com. Join us next week as we cover the world of men's figure skating in the very homosexual Yuri on Ice. Until then, I am Hardy Cosell. If you'd like to watch Keijo yourself, you can do so by joining Funimation's subscription service or watch the episode subtitle for free on Crunchyroll. Until then, God bless and keep it manly. Mm. Otaku on. Asses out. Aloha. Asses out.
Michigan wins at the 35-yard line. They're not even going to go for the extra point. Who cares? Who gives a damn? We just won the whole shebang, the enchilada, the plate of spaghetti. Otaku on, my friends. Oh, yeah.